In today's show, we are going to have a discussion with Mickey Hernandez from Miami Miles YouTube channel. Ajmal is mildly hungover, which I'm sure he's going to share with us. And this is Porsche Talk Podcast. G'day, Mickey. G'day, Ajmal. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing well. (laughs) Great to hear. Great to hear. So tell me, Ajmal, I mentioned in the intro, you got on the squirt last night, didn't you? I did a little bit. Uh, so my, my brother is uh, over from Germany and he's in London at the moment, so which is a couple of hours away. And um, I went to catch up with him and I kind of saw him early afternoon and pretty quickly we kind of went from one bar, from one pub to another, to another. <laughs> then it got to about five o'clock and then um, one of my other brothers lives in London. So he came and joined us. And uh, then we ended up at a cocktail bar and at one point, I really did think that my eyesight was being affected by the drink. And the guy pulled up this bottle and it said uh, Porn Star Batch on it. Yeah, okay. So at that said, point, you start I, backpedaling, I, in my opinion. Just get out of there. I know, but no, but when he, when he showed me the bottle, I saw it. I thought it said Porn Star Snatch. And for a while, <laughs> I had this massive conversation with him about why have you got this bottle? Let's say it's and it it went on and on. Talk, then we sounds like a talk of the intoxicated. Yeah, exactly. And then we got sort of chatting to a group of people who were from Canada. Um, had a really long chat with them, and then you know when you realise you've got to get home. And then I'm sort of really far from the train station. I'll jump in a cab. The guy starts telling the taxi driver starts telling me his story about how he's still hopes to meet somebody and get married and have children, but he's like 49. Was I, that, I hang on, wait, wait. Firstly, that's not a problem age. I'll just want to put that out on the record. No, no, I don't want to put that out there, but he starts telling me about, you know, he, he's he's 49 years old, he, he's single, he wants to meet somebody and get married and have children. I start telling him about, you know, the quality of your sperm is going down, dude. You need to hurry up with that. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> this is a great start to a Porsche Talk podcast with a guest. I've got to tell you. This I, I actually thought this was going to start well, but it's really going downhill. No, but then, but then, so I run for the train. I get on the train. Then obviously there's there's people, lots of people on the last. It's the last train back, and there's an old lady sat next to me. She's open. Starts slowly opening up this double whopper that she got from Burger King. I'm looking at this double whopper and I'm thinking, the thought goes through my head: How much trouble would I get in if I mugged this lady of her burger and ran away? But then I can't get off the train. Uh, and so I went to McDonald's and bought two quarter pounders and a fish burger with a large fry. Yeah, great decision. Now, before we go any further and talk to Mickey, I know from our demographics, from the analytics we get from our podcast, I just want to formally apologise to our key demographic, which is the forty-nine-year-old male, forty-nine-year-old male with diminishing sperm count. That you have just—it's not even diminishing. It's probably the. A diminishing quality yeah yeah okay yeah I, good one um, what i meant but also <laughs> um it, i was just talking about that particular guy you know fair cop fair cop some, some advice thank you thank you Ashmel, for clarifying that mm, yeah mickey exactly. g'day how are you good, good mark how you doing yeah great thank you for joining us today now thank you for having me you are not our typical guest on this 
podcast. And the reason I reached out to you is because I want to talk to you about how good a job I think you do with your YouTube channel, along with your enthusiasm for Ajmal and I's favourite car brand. Well, thank you. Thank you. I uh, I hadn't watched the podcast or listened before before you reached out to me. So I'm excited. Good to hear. I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, I'm a big, big Porsche guy with some overlap with McLaren, which we can get into that. I'm just, sure you guys absolutely I just want to pause them. you there for a second for the listeners, yeah. right, who aren't watching the video. They're just listening. When he says a big yeah. Porsche guy, everyone, he means he's human size. He's not grossly overweight. He's just a big enthusiast. Yeah, huge enthusiast. Yeah, good one. Um, yeah, but it's 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 it. The, the GT3 specifically drove me for ten years to go to work every single day to try to be able to afford one. <laughs> that, a... that car. Oh, what was the first so... taste? Tell us about the first taste that you, you thought I need one of them. What? How did that happen? How did it come about? Uh, first taste, ultraviolet, Ooh, purple, good, good color. Ultraviolet 991.1 GT3 RS. I saw that for the first time. They were trading for about a hundred thousand dollars over sticker. I had about seven thousand dollars in my bank account when that thing came out. This was 2016. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys remember? They were trading for crazy, crazy, stupid premiums. And silver wheels. Someone, what was that? Silver wheels. That ultraviolet with silver, silver wheels. Silver wheels. Cool. PCCBs. The silver uprights on the wing. I absolutely love that car. And um, I just started my business. All I wanted was to get up every single day and drive this car. And eventually, uh, the first one I drove before I owned mine was a uh, 991.1 GT3. Oh, lovely. And I fell in love with that. That car, believe it or not, even though most people, I mean, I know most people don't hate it, but a lot of people dislike it or stay away from it because of the issues it has with the engine. It's spectacular. Uh, and that completely blew my mind and it became my first car instantaneously. And I knew from that moment on, I had to have one. And it was from that day until a year and a half ago, I didn't drive another one. Wowza. Yeah. So, so four years in between of me dreaming about this dang car every single day, until I finally went and bought my GT3 Touring. Look, realistically, not a bad choice, right? GT3 Touring. The um, I think the I don't I think it's unfair to say the you know you said hate but then backed out of it with the 991.1 GT3, which I understand, great motor car, but probably I don't know the actual numbers, but very likely the most produced GT3 model made. I think it's more 901.1 GD3s than probably any other GD3 model. The uh, motor issue, look, I think all those problems are pretty much solved. There aren't many people still with those things hanging over their head, I wouldn't imagine. But the um, the Touring, what colour, what spec, what do you got? What's in the garage? So it's, it's black. Um, the previous owner... Uh, wrapped or wasn't wrapped the car they ppf the car in in a gloss ppf and underneath the ppf they added a couple stripes that go down the center of the car um, they also added the red porsche emblems along the side so again it's a 991.2 touring not a 992 um what else did we do to it initially we added a full exhaust we added an awe exhaust i wanted straight pipe all the way through besides well after the cats we removed the side mufflers and the rear section 
and it sounded sick. Now, keep in mind, I came from a 600 LT to the touring. Yeah, okay, great so car, the 600 like, LT. Well, but if you're going to buy a McLaren, that's not a bad one, right? That's not bad at all. But my problem was that I had crashed it into a wall at 100 miles an hour. That would be a problem for a lot of people. <laughs> I crashed it into a wall drifting onto the highway with my grandma. And I, at that juncture, when I got it back, it started just falling apart. But started having a bunch of issues, and the market just started to go up, you know, right at the very beginning of this huge run-up we had with prices. So I was like, I'm going to get rid of this thing before uh, before this thing shows up on my uh, on my Carfax report. So, <laughs> We'll, we'll get back that's that got this car now. <laughs> is this is this where the is this the bit where you say edit that bit out? <laughs> well, leave, it, leave it in. It's sold already. Sorry, dealer. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay, that's fine. So so we traded the the six hundred for the GT three touring, and um, the car had I think like a thousand eighteen hundred miles when I bought it. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Um, right away became my favorite favorite car. And it's still in the garage till this day, but I've done some very tasteful, I mean, maybe distasteful modifications since then. Yeah, do you, we'll get if you like them, they're tasteful because it's only your opinion that matters. Okay, Mickey. Yeah, I think I've made the car what I always wanted it to be. If I wouldn't have done the modifications that I've done since then, which we'll get into in a moment, I would have sold it because since then I've gotten a 765 LT. And the 765 LT takes everything from every brand and just slaps it in the face. Sure. It is so far and beyond a more exciting, visceral, ridiculous experience than everything else that to me it was hard to justify keeping a $300,000 touring in the garage. Let's let's come back to McLaren. I want to talk yeah. McLaren, but I want to come back to it. So let's continue on the Porsche rant for a minute. Sure. Sure. So... Uh, all, that 765 experience just traumatized me. That would be the word. Yeah. Uh, every time I get into it, I drive it like a lunatic. I never speed, obviously. I never break the speed limit. Clearly, yeah, of course. <laughs> but I accelerate very quickly from zero to 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, but that car made me realize that like cars will probably never, ever, ever be this great especially with all the electrification hybridization going it is that good so anyways i turned on my gt3 and i just got bored with it so i was like this car either needs more power more torque or it's out i'm gonna sell it um and and it's kind of a weird thought to have about a gt car right especially gt3 because they're naturally aspirated it's not like i can go straight pipe and tune them and make another 200 roll horsepower so there's a little shop out in new york called demand motorsport Yep, I'm familiar, with the I'm familiar with the company. They put big yes, motors so in little cars as a general rule. That's right. Big motors, little cars, and they're known for their Cayman spider package, right? They take the four liter or the, the, the 3.8 on the 981. They drop it. They bore and stroke it to four and a half. They do some magic to the crank so it doesn't explode. And then they put it back in the car. And when they put it back in the car in those cars, it makes 500 horsepower to the wheels. So 500 to the wheels in one of these cars it's is a big crazy because, you know, yeah, it's, it's a great number. But I was like, huh, I wonder what it'll make in mine. So I decided to send my boy Rick my GT3, and, uh, and he did the first 991.2 GT3 Touring with the 4.5 liter upgrade in the world. It doesn't exist. I'm the only one to have one. Um, 
cost 55 grand Ooh, crazy, amount of money. crazy amount of money for for an engine upgrade that but must include got, other things as well that can't be just the engine can it it was transportation four knee tires because i drive like a hooligan <laughs> yeah the engine upgrade a clutch assembly and i believe that's it oh he's charged me for some brackets for the exhaust oh, i, I wanted to put him for that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah okay but yeah sure. Yeah, 55 grand. If you guys want to see, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the car. It's it's on my channel. It's it's just insane. But I got it back. I drove it for the first time and I go, this is it. This is a car I will never ever sell in my entire life. It sounds like a cup car. It's got it's it's much deeper. So I don't know if you if, if you both have driven the GT3, I'm sure you have, but the tones change as the RPMs climb, right? It starts deep, especially when you have an exhaust. Yep. Then it gets a little lighter and then it just screams at the top end. Well, now it's that, but the engine sounds bigger. So it's got some character from like an American V8 Corvette in person sure. with the 9,000 RPM redline. Wow. And the car is making 580 horsepower to the wheel, naturally aspirated. It is insane. Now to give you guys a spot of context, the car is about as fast as a 992 Touring with a PDK. Okay. So I paid 55 grand to bring a dot two GT3 Touring manual to the speed of about a 992 Touring PDK. Got it. Now, for those of you, I don't know if you guys look at the analytics and stuff, but we're talking about high seven second 60 to 130s, which is actually a really fast car. We're talking RA V10 plus speeds. Sure. So, but with but with some it, class because it's a uh, GT3 touring. Yeah, it's 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 just incredible. It's the best car I've ever driven. Um, besides the seven six five LT, I can't say it's better. But for the price, it's just insane. Now, at the start of this conversation, you threw a number out there of three hundred thousand dollars US, right? Is that mm -hmm. what a touring's worth in the US? So mine was because of the mileage at the time. Got it. Okay. They've since, they've since dropped. I mean, they're trading for like 270. That is a shit ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're there's only the... 381 of them in North America. Ashmal, how dear are those cars in the in the UK? Do you know? Uh, I actually don't know. I've not looked. Oh, I um, thought you'd have been in the market. I don't think they are because because the only, <laughs> the, only, the only one that I've recently looked at is, you know, I've only seen the 991 Speedster, is it? Yep. And that was three, that, that was with 600 miles on it and it was 330,000 pounds. Yeah, okay, sure. Yep. Right, um, so, but, yeah, that, look, but that's, that's like a, that's a different, that's a different kind of beast. I think, I reckon it's, um, I reckon a 991 Speedster and a GD3 Touring, similar customer, like same motor, right? Mm. Yeah, yep. I'm sure but, like the, the Speedster car is a, for a climate, which Mickey lives in, that would be suitable. But <laughs> yes. nonetheless, it's a. Uh, I think it'd be a comparable customer. I don't think one would say, say I could not possibly own that because you know they're both only manual cars. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. absolutely. Classic. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, but I watched the I watched the video, Mickey, of when you first drive that car, and I think you were limited at the time to six thousand RPM. Is that right? When right. you first get it and and obviously the noise you know then the noise is crazy when you when you're putting your foot down obviously it's addictive 
that noise, the acceleration is addictive. Um, and, and in that car and the way it's weighted and how it feels delivering that power. What's it like when you're just, you know, you're just going down to the 7-Eleven? That's <laughs> terrible. Is it, is it, is Pretty terrible. I've ruined it. I've ruined it. It's completely ruined. Uh, Was it no, idle at 5,000 RPM or something, does it? <laughs> I feel I feel like the engine is just here. They, they, they're talking about the new 4RS with its intakes in the cabin. No, this engine is in the cabin. It's behind my ears. But it drones, it drones like crazy. Think about this. It's headers coming off the engine to a straight pipe. And and it is the most ridiculous sounding car. So I would say anything under honestly 40, 50 miles an hour is fine. The moment you go 50, 60, 70 just on highway speeds, it it drones. Like you want to cry after about 10 minutes, how loud this car is on the inside. <laughs> but, but it gives you such a good experience when you go all the way out to nine. Um, and, and it is so loud. It might be the loudest car I've ever heard. We measured it the other day. We hit 130 decibels. Whoa, with a little, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no track days coming in that car, my friend. You are going to get kicked straight out of there. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely getting kicked straight out. But yeah, 130 decibels. Um, to give you guys a spot of context, like a 992 with a stock exhaust peak at full chat hits about 118. Yeah, okay. So substantially louder. But yeah, it's, it's, it's something else when it comes to the experience. But really, one word describes that car, and that word is torque. Torque. Torque transforms a GT3. Torque transforms a GT4. For any, of the, for any of the listeners that have a GT2 RS, you know what I'm talking about. The problem with the GT2 RS is it doesn't have the spirit with that 9,000 RPM naturally aspirated engine. It's got the twin turbos, it's muted, it doesn't sound as sexy. But when you add some torque, especially that amount to the GT3, the car transforms. So I'm going to put an offer on the table. If y'all are ever in Miami, more than welcome to come over and drive it. It'll be here available. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, yeah. Ashmal and I are talking about trying to get over there to to do a uh, journey across to Rensport from the East Coast. So maybe we will pop in and... Yeah, you know, we'll come. We'll we'll come and knock on the door. And you can scare the shit out of us. I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, um, so the thing. Um, go on, Ashwin. Sorry, go on, Mark. No, no, you no, go. No, I've I've monopolized. Um, with the look, I haven't watched your video of when you took delivery of that car. I have watched previous videos. Now, your enthusiasm's quite infectious in your videos. I'm a, quite a big fan. I cannot for a minute believe you waited to do the the uh, miles on that car to take it to Redline after Demand gave you that car? Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say this without voiding my warranty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have so, to say anything. I think we all know. Okay. So Rick Rick puts me in the car and, he go, and I go, Rick, what's the warranty, man? And Rick says, you got a year unlimited miles. And I go, so how many times can I take it to 9,000 today? He goes, I'm going to give you one time. <laughs> so he said, I'm allowed. I'm allotted one time to 9,000. That was at the very end when I collected the car. I took it all the way to nine and I had to drive it for 800 to 1,000 miles in order to break it in. That was his recommendation. Sure. So I had two options, ship the car down to Miami and drive it around here. I don't drive my cars a lot during the week because of work. Sure. Um, and then basically wait a month until it's broken in or just take it and drive it straight across to my buddy's house in Chicago. Yeah, good idea. So we drove, yeah, we drove from 
New York to Chicago to break it in. On that run, I tried to keep it reasonable. I only did about four or five 9,000 RPM pulls <laughs> in the 800 miles. <laughs> With and, the drone uh, exhaust. Oh, the exhaust, the exhaust got so bad that, that we had to get out every, every like four to five hours, yeah, okay. three to four hours. We, we stopped like just four times to get a break from the, from the drone. And I can imagine when you get there that night, your ears are ringing in bed when you think you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. Somebody was telling me that, that at, at 130 decibels, you start getting hearing loss. Well, my wife's been calling me saying Mickey and I can't hear anything she says. Yeah, I think that, it's that, the that's, car. No, that's because it's her. <laughs> I, mean, I think we all know the truth but it's yeah, the car yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah every gro- so every on the, on every the... grown man gets uh, selective hearing about you know from their wife so yeah. on the on the 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 pulse 9000 so if you're doing that in second gear what speed are you doing at 9000 good question as well really because they're really long gears right Right around 80. No, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I thought it'd be. Yeah, yeah that's right around 80. I thought it'd be. He, didn't, he didn't change the gearing at all. Um, he wants to do a gear set for the GT3 and the GT4. He does change all the gearing, so the gears are shorter. Uh, so you get rid of that big issue on the 981 and the new uh, 718 with the long gearing. Um, but for my car, there is no gear set yet. So it's still the same long gearing, um, third gear, is ridiculous. Uh, I, I believe it's 120, it's around around 128 miles an hour or something like that. It's just yeah. It's you've just, obviously read you read you've obviously read that somewhere and not done it, of course. Never. I, I just read it on a magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> but the, but, um, but it, it is. I mean, and the, the long gears because everyone's always talked about it, and there's. I forget the reason, Mark. What's the reason for it? Because it's on so my does, car. Look, they, I... look, the long gears are GD4 issues, less so the GD3 issues, right? And, Mickey, I've got a 981 GD4. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I've seen videos of your Rubystone Red 981. Is that right? Wrap. Yep. It, 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 what color is it? Call it Latino, Latino... Wrap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ruby, Ruby Latino style. Yeah. Okay. That's what what, what color is it underneath? It was uh, it was a racing yellow. Yeah. Okay. Sure. The um, anyway, like I've got one of those cars, and I think that uh, like Ashmal, Andy Pruniger's excuse for the gearing is that yeah. it's more usable as a road car with that gearing. Look, I've had my car for what seven months now. I'm not too precious about the gearing. I reckon it's okay. I've taken the track a few times. The gearing hasn't proved problematic on the tracks I've driven on. In all reality, I'm not a great car driver either, but it's still a rewarding drive nonetheless with the gearing. And I'm okay taking that car out to, I think it was, I think it goes about 80 mile an hour in third gear or something like that off memory. It's, I'm trying to do the conversion in my head because we're a kilometers per hour place, Mickey, and um, here in Australia. So there and about, it's about 80 mile an hour. That's, you just don't use the other gears that much, really, on the on the open road here in Australia. So I don't have too much of a problem with the gearing, but I haven't driven one of the cars that's been modified by demand with that gear set or Sharkworks, and I'd be very curious to have a crack in it. The clutch oh, is heavy in that car, though. I think the what, what you'd notice right away, just on the gearing upgrade. So you're right. 
in my experience to the 981 GT4 that I owned is one of the most exploitable cars on a road, on a day-to-day -day road that you could ever purchase. It is probably the best car. It's not too fast. Um, it's, it's, it's got just enough emotion and just enough experience with that gear shift that it immerses you in the driving experience. But the issue for me was that it just didn't have any torque. It doesn't have a lot of torque, right? It's 385 horsepower, I forget sure. how much torque it has, but it's not a lot. And when you have such long gears, you have to wait so long for the power to build. Yeah, yep. And and when you when you shift, you fall off the power band and then you're waiting again for the power to build. Um, now, even though the car is 4.20 to 60, it's it's to me just missing that little, that that little shorter gear set so you could stay in the power band, but that I don't think would transform it too drastically on the road because you only feel these problems with that car when you're driving it really fast. When you're driving first, second, third, fourth, that's when you're like, okay, these gears are too long because you're, you're basically just waiting to ring it out to get the power out of it, right? But with the demand upgrade, it's, it's, it's insane. It's just insane what, he, what those gear sets do with that 4.5 to that car. I'm telling you, whatever you think of your GT4 as now, think of it with that upgrade as a GT3 plus. It's a GT3 plus. It's even better than the GT3. And I'm talking about 992 GT3, not in terms of the chassis and the handling, but in terms of fun and emotion and power delivery, a GT4 with the gear set with the four and a half is a better car, in my opinion. Well, oh. I plan on keeping this car for some time, right? Mm -hmm. when I do run up enough mileage so I do need to rebuild the engine, that is the time I'll do it. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, go, I'll get someone locally here to, I'll get, I'll get the parts necessary and get someone locally here to do it. It's obviously cost prohibitive to send to the other side of the globe to do. So there are plenty of good engine builders here in Western Australia. So I'll get, I'll just get what's needed to do the job and ship it over, you know, and get it bolted together locally. But all that aside... Um, I'd like to talk about your YouTube channel for a second. Ajmal and I have what can only be described as token YouTube channels, right? Yeah, and we don't we really are, do any content for. <laughs> we're fairly avid <laughs> YouTube watchers. Well, I am, and I know Ajmal has watched a lot of videos that we back and forth with each other about. I think it's a crime against humanity at how underwatched your channel is, Mickey. <laughs> Thank you. It's not just because... I'm blowing wind up your ass because we've got this interview going on. I am genuinely surprised at the quality of your the quality of video you're consistently putting out, right? Mm -hmm. Well edited, you're enthusiastic, you're likable. It's not like you've got two heads or anything. So the whole thing is, I'm I cannot even get my head. I'm looking at your channel, watching a video, going, how has this only got this many views? When I watch other videos that are comparable or even lesser quality quite often that have got 20 times the views if not more how is this happening what have you done to someone we want to know come on yeah what yeah, have you done that, to youtube yeah what did you do <laughs> we, we have this argument all the time so so i film with um a very talented individual with a profile name on instagram and tiktok faster media mm -hmm. and and he's 20 years old and he's probably one of the best videographer editors I've ever met in my entire life. Well, he's the best one I've met and he's one of the best I've ever seen. He's just insane how talented he is. And, and we're working on this channel together. Our objective in this channel, 
I wanted to transform it away from the typical GoPro review type content to, to something that showcased more of my sense of humor, more of my ability to discuss a car while driving within it. And we were able to make that transition, I would say about four to five months ago. Sure. Our content exponentially improved. And honestly, our subscribers did too, but it's such a small uh, change. Well, it's a big change for a small number. So we start a year and a half ago on YouTube and I was getting like three subscribers a month, right? Yep. And as, as we improve the content, keep making better videos, that's now right around about a thousand a month. But I think that I cuss too much in my videos, <laughs> too many expletives. Um, I speed too much, maybe. There's something with the shadow banning going on or something where they're banning my channel from getting to where it needs to be. But I think because it is good objectively, not because I make the videos, I do believe that we will overcome this. And I do believe that the channel will be extremely successful. We're going to keep trying different things until we find something that just resonates with the algorithm, which we haven't found. Yeah, look, that's the truth. Yeah, you, you need the um, something that's just going to sink YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, to so that everybody has to watch it. That is that, that um, you know, that, but I'm I'm certainly in no position to give advice on how what makes a channel successful. I can assure you of that. But that uh, that aside, I am cons- every time your videos come up on my feed, I think this is a good video. How is there only two and a half thousand views on this? Is there a zero missing off this? Is a decimal? Has YouTube made a mistake on where the decimal point goes on the view number? Yeah, you know, I'm just baffled by it. Again, I got no idea how their algorithm works, and I talked to other YouTubers, and they're in the same boat. If it was, look, if we knew, if we all knew the formula, we'd use it, wouldn't we? Because the, the different... algorithm changes. Yeah, because the algorithm changes, and there's also a thing about. I think from what I've seen, there's those who are established, and they've, you know, they they kind of worked the algorithm, made themselves really popular, got huge subscriber bases. But for anybody starting new, like you are now, Mickey, it's nobody knows how the algorithm works. Nobody knows what thing you're going to do that's going to spark all the views and suddenly everybody's subscribing. And it, and that'll change. Even when you do nail it and it starts to grow, something will change and then you'll have to work at it again to try and work it out. So it, you're hitting a moving target all the time. And I think for new YouTubers coming along, it's so difficult, especially when you invest so much time and effort like Mickey and his videographer do. Whereas, which is why when I see your videos and I do think, hang on, this is, this is really slick. The, your enthusiasm comes across, like Mark said, it's, it's amazing. And while you're the, you're presenting style while you're in the car, you know it really engages with people. Well, it certainly engages with me and Mark when we're watching it. And then we're both baffled. Hang on, how, how come he's only got those subscribers? What's going on with the views? And it is because that move that moving target is moving way faster than it used to be. So there's no formula, even for a short time, where you go, "I've nailed it. I've got it." It's it's impossible. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah, I think I think it becomes, and this is for anyone listening that wants to do automotive YouTube. It's every year you don't do it, it's going to be 10 times more expensive and 10 times harder to get it up off the ground. Automotive YouTube is the most difficult place to get a successful channel. And, and I firmly believe that because you need a bunch of money to blow, which very irresponsibly of me, I do. <laughs> um, uh, and so I'm basically left with no money for anything else, honestly. And you need to dedicate a stupid amount of time. You need to upload every single week. And if you've heard any of the big YouTubers, you know, they say, if you want to be successful on YouTube and you're not going to be one of these lightning in a bottle types, you got to do it for five to eight years. 
So I'm in a year, right? Um, I'm in a year and we're growing at about a thousand a month when I used to grow at three a month. So we try to, we try to kind of sit down and just be grateful for the fact that, Hey, we started at three. Now we're at around a thousand. What can we do to get to five, to get to 10? And we just try to focus our content around that and the cars that I'm purchasing, which I'll share with you guys. I'll reveal a car that I'm getting here in four weeks that I think you'll absolutely love because it's right up your alley. Um, but I think, I think inevitably, um, as we continue to do content and continue to find great people like you, I, I think that the channel is just going to continue to grow organically until we hit those numbers. And I think it's going to happen fast and it's going to happen to the point where I think we'll, you'll see a start kind of um, going above a lot of those mainstream YouTubers that are kind of stagnant at around two, three, four, five hundred thousand. They don't move. I think that's what's going to happen. Maybe I'll be wrong or proved wrong, but I think I'm going to be right, honestly. Yeah, good yeah. to hear. I'll, I'll look, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, pleased with your enthusiasm to continue. The um, with regards to the, oh, firstly, what car are you getting? What do you got? Come on, tell us. So, f four weeks from now, and and we'll tell this story. I think you guys will love it. I got a four. Uh, I got a four RS coming. Yeah. Okay. Four RS. GT4 S comes in uh, November, end of November. It's going straight to demand. It's not. <laughs> we had this <laughs> argument. Uh, so, so, so the car, the car is being delivered up in Chicago, and to get one of these first four RSs, you need uh, big, big, big pockets. Sure. Which I have little, 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 tiny pockets. <laughs> and uh, but I have a friend, and my friend um, buys every Porsche at a dealership. And he went to the dealership on my behalf and said, Hey, you need to get these guys, you need to get this guy a car. So one of the guys dropped their allocation, didn't want to take delivery of the car, and they gave it to me. What's the spec? So, Let's hear it. Yeah, GT Silver, Wysock, magnesium wheels, PCCBs, no front end lift, everything to make it as lightweight as possible. This is going to be the lightest GT4S probably in the world, or anyone that has a matching spec, obviously, it'd be just as light. But it's the lightest bike you can get on the car. Nice one, good color. So you've gone for. See, hang on, just before you go to color. So you've you've gone because you've got your GT3, which is crazy loud for going down to the Seven Eleven, and then you've just ordered a GT4 RS that's Ooh, just yeah. as loud going yeah, down yeah, to the Seven Eleven. <laughs> so what yeah. color is it? <clears throat> it's a GT Silver. A GT Silver, right? Okay. Uh, that's nice. nice. I, no, I like I like what you've done because you that's going to be sort of a great comparison to have, isn't it? Because you've got the the modified four and a half liter, and then you're going to have the stock but RS. It'd be interesting to see what your that that feeling that you said you know about the emotion in it and the engagement that you get, how it'll be with a factory car that's an RS and the GT3 that you've modified. It'll be interesting to see what you think of those. Uh Look, off the bat, I'm going to tell you right now, Mickey, I give you four months and you're hunting for a new G992 GD3 RS. I think so. I think so. Um, this this acquisition has has uh, obviously hit the, the good old pocketbook, so I've got to get rid of something. 765 is going to go here in the next uh, in the next couple months, which is interesting. It's a good segue back into that conversation. Those cars... The spiders have just gone into fortune values. Really? Um, yeah. Finally, yeah, so, McLaren that's got a resale value. <sighs> it, it's, it, it's a big, big win. I've had it for six months. I'm going to preface this by saying that it is the greatest car I've ever driven by, by a lot. 
but it's when you start seeing these values at two, 250,000 over sticker, so a quarter million over sticker, you know all this is going to come to an end, right? Because it, it is McLaren. Let's, like let's everything else does. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So so that car, um, I'm going to put it on Bring a Trailer. I'll send you all the link when it's yeah, when do so. live. Yeah. I'm going to throw it on Bring a Trailer. And I think it'll fetch in the neighborhood of 650 to 675. Well, yeah, and I think then I'm going to turn around and use that profit to purchase the 4RS. Oh, That's good the, job. The yeah. Mickey, did you drive a 720 before you bought the 765? No, I went I went 600 to 765. I never drove a 720s in between. I've, I've never driven a 765. I think there might be one or two in Perth where I live over here, right? I'm in a small city, to give you some perspective. We're, it's the most remote city in the world is where I live, right? how far away we are from everything so any exotic car is a big deal but i drove a 720 only about what, three or four months ago and knowing the 765 is that next level again mm-hmm. i can't comprehend it like the 720 was i thought was borderline as um accelerating as fast as an electric car you know so like the 765 must be just off the Richter scale with the uh, performance. I think I think YouTube's messed up how fast a car feels and actually is in real life. Because you see all these videos, people doing drag races and 60 to 130s and quarter miles and going around a track and X speed. And, and, and you're just looking at the number. But you can't comprehend how fast it is to have a car that does 60 miles an hour to 130 miles an hour in under five seconds. It is, it is ballistic. It is go to jail in three seconds fast <laughs> and big jail, not little jail. Your car is getting impounded. You're going to get thrown in prison. Good luck. Never going to see the kid again. You're going to be someone else's wife. That's what this car <laughs> is. It is, it, it is, it is so dangerous, especially for a car person like myself. And I'm sure like you guys, the moment you sat in there, you're breaking the law. And that's one of the other reasons why the car has to go. The car has to go. It is so fast and so dangerous that every time you get on the power for four or five seconds, you're going such an obscene speed that if anyone caught you or if anyone cut in front of you, you'd be done. Um, so the car, the car will kill you. Uh, so two reasons why it's going market and the fear of getting in trouble with it. There is a fear. I've had it for six months. I've taken a lot of chances with the car and nothing's ever happened. Thank goodness. Um, so that being said, for anyone listening to this podcast that can afford a 765 LT Spider, please go and buy one right now. Right now. You will, I'm, I'm sorry if you're a huge Porsche guy. I'm a huge Porsche guy. It's been my brand ever since I was a kid. It is 10 times better than any Porsche you've ever driven on a road. Not only does it ride better, better steering feel, way better braking, way better braking feel, better aero. The acceleration will destroy any other car on the road. It is just next level. It's a car that should be worth million dollars plus. That's how good I think that car is. Because that, that acceleration that you've described, because even mm-hmm. like Mark says, you know, you, you get the electric car initial launch, all the talk, all the time kind of thing. But the, the acceleration you described from, you know, 60 onwards, that, an electric car, it tails off. It starts to tail off as you as you go up the miles per hour. 
Whereas this, it feels like it launches and it just keeps going and going and going because I've done launch control in a Taycan Turbo S and mm-hmm. that slams you back in the seat and there's a, it's, it's, it's a level acceleration. Whereas the way you describe that, it feels like it, it goes off at rocket speed and then just continues and continues. And it's almost like it's accelerating even more and more and more to, to a point where I, I, I totally get that, where it's an amazing thing. You want everybody to experience it, but at the same time, you're saying to them, don't, don't get yourself killed because that's what it's going to do. Yeah. For, for a spot of context, I've read in magazines that the car starts to tail off at 195 miles an hour. That's where it starts to like, <laughs> to kind of to go a little bit slower, to accelerate a little bit slower. Um, you stretch that car's legs and it's as fast from 60 to 150 as a Tesla Plaid. And for those of you that have been in a Tesla Plaid, you, have to, you understand how fast that car is. It is, it, it is otherworldly. Um, I don't like them. I don't like the Tesla Plaid at all. Terrible brakes, terrible handling. It's not a driver's car. To me, it's a big piece of shit, but it is fast. It is so fast, you can't believe, but my car in the evening on a pull will pull on a Tesla Plaid. And, and that's just mind-blowing. But the caveat with this car is, if you get it, you're gonna either going to get in trouble or you're going to get yourself killed. So you have to be a more mature gentleman than myself to own one. <laughs> me? Or lady. Or lady. <laughs> or lady, yes. I apologize about that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell um, me, um, yeah. Mickey, the benchmark for high-powered, high-performance is Chiron, right? Yeah. Sure. I 100% appreciate that the 765 is more car than Chiron on a lot of metrics, right? Yeah. Have you driven a Chiron yet? I haven't. One of our friends in our supercar group has one. You need um, to borrow it. I, I want a reference here. I'm never going to get to drive either. You're halfway there. I want to know what the comparison is like. I, I, I want to do it too. I want to do it too. It's just a little difficult to convince my buddy to lend me his $4 million car. <laughs> I'm going to have to put up some Bitcoin as collateral. <laughs> He's a crypto guy. <laughs> we'll do that soon because that Bitcoin collateral might not be worth as much in the future as it is today, okay? The, the, um, I think I want, to, I want to experience a Chiron just to hear those turbos. Every time you see a YouTube video of a Chiron and you hear those turbo um, blow-off valves, I think that's reason enough for 4 million. Yeah, I think, I think when you compare, like, like let, let's look at it this. Uh, I think a Chiron is, a, a Chiron, the 765, is the same as Turbo S or GT2 RS to GT4 RS, sure. for example. Yeah. Right? Actually, GT2 RS is, for example, probably a Turbo S mm-hmm. to the GT4 RS. It'll obliterate my car in a straight line. And actually, I have tried on a racetrack, of course, to keep up with a Chiron. And on the straightaway, it walks me. In my 765, it walks away from me. Um, but when I pull up next to the person, after going around side, side racetrack, he's just not having any fun. Yeah, of course. It, I get that. It, it, he's, he's just, now, I would love, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absolutely love it, I'm sure. But I just can't imagine a car that's more visceral and exciting than a 765. I can't. I can't. And, and I'll be proven wrong one day, and I'll just be blown away, but I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait to see it. I hope you record it. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I will, absolutely. I will, absolutely. Now, um, we've talked about a lot of modern cars in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Any classics that are on the uh, horizon for you that you think, that's a lot of class, I need that? Or do you have something in the garage that has, we have, hasn't seen the light of day that we don't know about? 
Yeah, so when we say classics, for me, classic means anything that I looked up to as a kid or in sure. high school. Yep. That's what classic is to me. So a 997.2 GT3 RS, a Ferrari Scud, right, 430 Scud, mm-hmm. um, Challenge Stradale, uh, those cars. So the car that I bought from my high school uh, that I really, really enjoy is the um, uh, E92 M3 Comp. Sure. So I just bought an A92 M3 comp in almost mint condition, cars of 2013. So last year they produced them. And to me, that's a classic. And I think it will be a classic. Um, now, in terms of going older than that, uh, I've had an opportunity to buy a Countach. Oh, really? So was, yeah. I had Have the you ever driven one? I haven't. Yeah. No, I was yeah. just going to buy you it. You buy it, just leave it in the garage. <laughs> I, I, I would love to own one, uh, obviously, because of the looks. Um, I was very close to pulling the trigger on, a, I think it was like, a, the, it's like a, the QV, but with an S on the end. Sure. There, was only, there isn't that many here in the United States. It was black. Bitcoin was like at 68,000. So I'm, I, I, don't, I didn't make my money with Bitcoin, but I made money with Bitcoin. Sure. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to sell some Bitcoin and buy this thing. And, and I was this close, but I opted not to. I got greedy. I thought it was going to go to the moon, then it collapsed. But those cars are now trading for over a million dollars, right around a million bucks here. Well, lost on that opportunity. Obviously, Career GT had another chance to buy one of those at 600. Same story. I didn't do it. Um, those are kind of my favorite cars. If I could have my dream garage of classics and then like mid 2000s, I'd have a Countach, I'd have a Carrera GT, I'd have a 997.2 RS. I have a 430 Scud, I'd have my 765 LT Spider, I'd have a P1, and I'd have my GT3 Touring with a four and a half liter. And that would be my garage. I wouldn't have any four doors, any electric cars, anything for the family. We'll drive them the wife's car to dinner. <laughs> but that would that, that's my dream garage right there off, off the dome. That's my dream garage. Yeah, no, that's a lot of cars. How many was that? Was that seven? I don't know. I next if I were to repeat that, I'd repeat probably 12. <laughs> 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 you guys ever do you guys ever sit there with a spreadsheet open with like your budget and you start doing math to see like if you can afford a car that's or called, if you could sell one yeah that's called man yeah. math man yeah math. but my, yeah. on mine on mine it's 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 very easy because it's zero <laughs> my budget's zero <laughs> mickey see, you'll, you know, you'll get my, you, my you get used to ajmal crying poverty all the time I am crying. I've got a poverty spec. My my Porsche is a 996 1998 base Carrera. And it it's much abused. And it's not very well. I've not looked after it. You know, I, I've taken Christmas trees. I took my bought my Christmas trees in it sticking out the sunroof last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still got it's still got tree needles in it from last Christmas because I, I don't clean it. And it's got the brake pad sensor di- the light came on mm-hmm. and because i knew i needed discs i just carried on driving it until it hit metal um which it now has done and i just had a message back from jack he's having it next week so he can fix it <sighs> discs and pads yay but even that you know we talked about long gears earlier but when i when i drive it and obviously i, I redline it as often as i can but when around here, because the gear's so long, I have to wait until I'm, a, I'm on the road up to the motorway, the highway. So I come up, I slam it in first, redline it, second gear, redline, and, and I'm over the speed limit already. And then you go third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and then you're cruising along. It's, it's, 
I love it. I love the fact that I can do it all the time. I don't have any kind of fear that you know it's going to get scratched it's it's going to blow up or anything like that because i don't have a huge amount of money invested in it it doesn't it's not polished and sat in a garage it's it's disgusting when you look at it um so i get maximum enjoyment out of it but i do think um it's it's time to wash it maybe you know, it's been, I think <laughs> no one no one listening is going to believe that no because jack washed it 18 months ago so he's going to go back to him. He might wash it. But yeah, last look, time he told me that it was... the He's doing your brakes. He might give you a wash. He might. Okay. He might. Un- unlikely. He, d- he has said that it's the right level of muck on it at the moment. Yeah, okay. Have you all seen, have you all seen the channel P-Life? P-Life channel? I haven't. I haven't, no. No? All right. So so P-Life, P-Life's my friend, Pete. And and he's he's the opposite. He can't have one mark on his car. <laughs> Nothing. He comes back from a drive... It's got to be washed down, put in the garage without a single speck in the car. And and and, and I found I, I'm somewhere in between, right? I get my cars washed once a week. So I don't need them washed after every drive. I can have them sit dirty for three or four days, but I can't have them be dirty forever. But him, every drive, he's so meticulous. He has just racks with the towels and the cleaning supplies. And, and I left my car, my GT3, when I drove it from New York to Chicago with him. What better hands to leave my car in? He sends me a picture yesterday cleaned it it's beautiful car looks like it just got a, a ceramic coating i think i think for me though a porsche needs to be driven and needs to get dirty and needs to have marks and needs to have something broken um otherwise you haven't enjoyed it right yep mine i've curbed the wheel the front lip is falling off sorry bring a trailer if i go to sell this later um <laughs> no, it'll be repaired by then it's okay yeah, it should be it should be good by then. I've melted the rear bumper by installing the first exhaust myself. So the rear bumper is completely melted <laughs> off. <laughs> but every time I see those problems, I remember that the front lip happened because I took my 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 uh, wife's dad out for a drive and we were going 140 over a road and hit a pothole and the car bottomed out and destroyed the front lip. I remember that the rear bumper is melted off because I decided one day that it'd be a good idea to film myself installing an exhaust and then driving it for 5,000 miles, melting the bumper off, right? I'll remember one day that the wheel is curved because, <laughs> because I wanted to get to work quicker. So I went the opposite way up and off ramp or up, up a little ramp in the parking lot where they have those machines to withdraw money from a bank and I curbed the wheel on one of the curves. Point is, is that the car is meant to bring back memories, and if nothing's wrong with it, how are you ever going to remember what you did in it? That's, that's my opinion. I'm gonna, I uh, want to, I want to share my car experience from this morning. Okay. Look, I also have a 1960 356 coupe, right? Love them. I'm probably the youngest 356 owner I know, by about 15 years. Yeah, you know, because they're a generation on from me, pretty much, right? Most 356 enthusiasts. Car, oh look, three days ago, I had, oh, the way air-cooled cars, heaters work, it uses the exhaust system to heat the air that it blows through to cool the engine and goes into the cabin to heat the car up, right? The heat exchanger, I haven't had the original ones on for three years. I thought, I'm going to put the car back to stock. I'm going to get them fitted, but they're really difficult to fit. So I thought, I'll take it to the exhaust place, get them to sort out. Take it there, get it done. I'm driving home. The car sounds like a combi running on two cylinders. It sounded terrible, right? Underpowered. Everything's wrong with the car. I was fuming. Get home. Don't get me wrong. 
the um, exhaust guy, he did the right thing. He did what I asked. What I didn't know was inside the heater boxes, the tube, J-tube, that goes from the to the back, was split. You can't see it. So it's blowing fumes into the car and I'm like this driving, right? Anyway, today I get it fixed. And I, actually, as I was driving there this morning, the car's running like a dog. It's running on three cylinders. It's a four-cylinder car, obviously, like an old 356. It's running on three cylinders because I've got a fouled plug because the exhaust thing's shit itself. And so it's not burning the fuel properly and the whole thing. It's just a debacle. Anyway, I get, get the car um, back to him this morning. He changes them back. Takes him about 20 minutes to do it. I'm telling you, the car feels like I'm ready to race Le Mans now. It is that good compared to what I had to do to drive it to where I was going with the split exhaust pipe and the whole old car stuff, you know. It was just... But it was, nonetheless, the car is running like a dreamboat at the moment. See, Mickey, so. you need to get something really old that every time you get in it, you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if it's going to get you <laughs> That's your 912, isn't you it? That's what's to... like for my, yeah, me, exactly. my 356. You don't, you don't know if something really fundamental to the car is going to fall off while you're driving like a door. Uh, and <laughs> oh no, he's got a McLaren. That stuff happens in McLarens. <laughs> that is true, but you know, because for me, mine, you know, I'm, I'm in the UK, so mine's left hand drive. So I'm on the on wrong side of the car. It's got a dog leg first. So, you know, it's you have to think about so many things. There's no seat belts, the, the seat uh, mechanism is broken. So every now and again, I'm driving along and it just I'm, I'm lying down. Uh, because it clicks, it clicks back when I accelerate, and every now and again, I'll just go. You know what? I think I'm just going to rev it out as far as it'll go. And you know, my ears are bleeding, and it's like five thousand RPM. Oh my god, it's going to. Sorry, five thousand RPM. Yeah, five thousand. No, it does. It does like five two maybe. But it's it's, <laughs> but it's you know it's it's going like crazy, and you're there going, you're gritting your teeth, and something awful is going to happen. But um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. It's it's the terror. It's like when my wife. I've said this many times before. She cannot understand why I have the 996. Because she looks at the 912 and she goes, that's a beautiful car. I understand why you have that. But she went, the 996, it's crusty. It's like, she hates driving it. She looks, it looks disgusting. Why do you have it? And um, and I tell her when I, when I get in it and I just put my foot down and it's making all that noise and the smell. And I've, got, I've always got this slight feeling I'm not totally in control. Like you're skating across the road and the steering's suddenly gone really light and you think I'm not fully in, I don't think I'm fully in control and that feeling of terror. And I went, I have it for all those reasons. And she goes, you're just weird. So I'm, uh, it's all those things. That's why we have them. That's why we love them. Yeah. There's something to be said about problems in a car. I think problems make the car more spectacular. Um, my GT3 demand, let's get into those problems that you'll enjoy. Uh, you have to fill it up with boostane every time you drive. So an octane booster, you got to carry on this little can of octane booster. You, what's the octane levels that you guys get in the U S what, what, when you go to a pump, what, what are your options? 90, uh, it's 89, 91, 93 in Is Southern that all? Florida. Yeah. Oh, okay. No one you need 93 is top. 93 is top. There's no 95. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, here yeah, here yeah. we have 90 we have 93 and 98. 98. Yeah. And that's what everyone yeah, uses yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but we have we have Shell V-Power Nitro Plus. What a great name. <laughs> yeah. Um regardless is, of what the octane level is, I want it cuz of the yeah, name. Which, yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that's 99. So we get we get I think 95 and 90, 90, 95 98 
and Shell do the 99. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I try and put 99 and everything. And then there, there's the, you know, the whole E5, E10. Rather ethanol on. fuel. We don't yeah. really, we don't have that yeah. that much here. But anyway, yeah, what else you got? You got the octane boost, right? Yeah. So, so they, 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 they gave me this octane boost can and it's orange and it smells disgusting. Yeah. yeah. But I got to keep the octane booster in the front. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and if it runs out, I got to open the front grab the octane booster everything smells like this stuff it's orange it smells worse than gas and i have it in my i have it i get it on my hands every time i put this into the car but if you don't put enough there is no like exact science you can't measure it there isn't a measuring oh, okay it just says huh you're gonna need 66 percent of the bottle well the bottle's a metal bottle how can i even measure <laughs> <laughs> if you put too little you misfire yep. if you put too much it's good, but then you just wasted a $10 bottle of <laughs> octane. <food. laughs> so, so it's that every time the car is loud, the car gets a check engine light when you start it every single time. Yeah. Oh, every wow. time you start it, check engine light, you got to turn it off. Oh, you got to wait 15 minutes. If you drive it before 15 minute, Rick Boyd's your warranty. He's got a sensor in there, a Rick Boyd warranty sensor. You got to let it warm up. Then once it's warm, turn it off, turn it on, check engine light goes away. You're good to drive it. So wow. in short, I've made my GT3 worse, <laughs> much, much, much worse in every way. Can it be detuned down from all those problems and still I, yeah, keep you so four and a half liter? I believe so. I believe all of these problems are a, uh, are a tuning issue. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to have the car retuned on 93. And I think, Ironically, it's going to make more power than what I'm making now. That being said, through this whole experience, I never minded any of those problems. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because I feel like those problems are are fine cost to pay if I get to enjoy that car. Now, if I could enjoy it without having any problems, well, that's even better. But I, I love cars that have issues. That's why I love McLaren. I love the rattles. I love the fact that when you look at the mirror, you can't see out the back because it's just like this, right? <laughs> Every time you hear on the, you slip on the accelerator, you get a vibration here, and all of a sudden something feels like it's going to fall apart here, and and always the underside of the car is rattling. I like that, right? If I wanted a nice car, I'd get a Toyota Corolla. Right? <laughs> I don't want a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> I want my cars with all the problems. As long as they run, I'm good. So. Just like you guys, I think I feel like having, you know, a couple scuffs, a couple marks, some little issues. It's part of being a car owner or a car enthusiast. Sure. Yeah. The 720 I drove, Mickey, was um, a friend of mine. It had less than a thousand kilometers on it. What's that? Less than 600 miles on it, right? Mm -hmm. Brand spanking new. It was stunning, right? And I said, I said, he said, look, Mark, I want you to drive it because, you know, you've driven my other cars. You've got Ferraris and Porsches, all this stuff. He says, I want to get your, you tell me, what do you think of it? Right. He also had, he also bought the same day or the, the delivery occurred the same day of a 458 Speciale. So I drove both on the same day. Right. Mm. But the 720, I'm looking at it going, I don't know if the interior lines up that well, talking to him. He goes, Oh, it'll be all right. Don't worry. It's a McLaren. They have little things like this. You know, they're not as perfect as they should be. Okay. I sat in it, pulled down the butterfly door, and the roof panel fell off the door onto my head. <laughs> oh, mate, it was so funny. The Ferrari, you could not have got sweeter perfection on the fit and finish of this car. However much he paid for it was cheap. 
compared to the quality of his McLaren, which I'm sure the McLaren was more expensive, right? Because he bought it brand new and the 458 was, you know, a used car, obviously, because of its age. But the, um, I'd have to say, after driving both cars back to back, the 458 just took things to a whole different level of engagement. Just the whole everything going on. You felt like a Formula One driver. You know, Sebastian yeah. Vettel just going flat stick. You know, that just had that thing. I, mean, I don't know if it was going fast, right? But the whole experience was just incredible. And it was, look, I do, I do like Ferrari. Like, what car enthusiast doesn't? You know, but I've never really pined for one. You know, I haven't. But this was probably the first one that, and I have driven an F40 back in the day, so I, I do know what a, you know, Ferrari's best can be. And this was. As good as it gets, I can imagine, you know. Yeah, you went to the pinnacle. I mean, the four five eight special at the time was the best car for sale, and I think I think the seven twenty S is the first. You know, it was it was the first super series car. Well, after the six fifty S, obviously, and it took the six seven five I think to the next level, but it turned down all the rawness. And this is exactly in in a more recent comparison with the Arturo's done with the six hundred. Sure. So I had a chance to drive an Arturo. Really? And everyone, you, oh yeah. There's only about four people in the world that have ever actually seen one in real life, I think. <laughs> I, I drove one, I didn't catch on fire, and I'm here to tell yeah, yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the car, the car is a step on in terms of uh, quality and fit and finish and modernness. But this is a big but the car has become a luxury sports car meant to be daily driven. By a doctor or a lawyer, it's lost the fizz. Yeah, it's lost. It's lost the fizz that made the six hundred so spectacular. Even the five seventy had some of that fizz, some of that sensation, um, some of those things that McLaren gave you, the vibrations and things that made you feel like you're really a part of a car. The car is just ultra fast. It feels like an electric car. You put your foot down, you get instant torque get up over 180 horsepower just by putting your foot down. So it's instantaneous response. And then once you get it going, it has this torque fill in between gears, which we've all heard of. Oh, the torque fill. It makes it feel like you never get out of the power band. Well, the torque fill honestly converts your internal combustion engine car to a feeling of an electric car. That's the best comparison I can give you. The acceleration, even though it builds, it's more linear than it ever has been. And you lose some of the connection with the car. So the Artura, in short, is a very muffled, let's say, version of the 600 and the 570 that they've added all of this to try to make it more appealing to the masses. But at the same time, they've lost what made McLaren so special. And so, so they fix the things that they think that everyone wants fixed, but they've lost the things that people like me love. And that's the problem with the Artura. And I hope they fix it with the LT. I just think that car is now too comfortable, too modern. Um, it's it's too nice. Am I, I mean, it can never be too nice, but it is too nice in my opinion. It feels like they tried too hard to make it more Mercedes than a McLaren. So that was my experience with that car. And that's kind of what happened with the 720S. The 720S at the time was a big modern McLaren. Now, if you jump from a Speciale to a, to a 765, you're going to know that the Speciale is obviously going to sound much better probably going to be more engaging on a slower road. But when you really look at the full breadth of, of abilities sure. of a car. Yes. I well, just, it's a 10 years I difference just, in age too, though. You know, there's a lot's happened in yeah. the last 10 years in motor cars, hasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think the speciality is a great car. I think that's why you've seen it reflecting the pricing. They're going over six hundred thousand dollars here. Oof. So five to six hundred thousand. That's a lot of speciality. Yeah. The um, I would have to say, the only McLaren car that's ever really tickled my fancy, is the GT, the one no one's bought. Yeah, you, know, you don't see them anywhere, and the whole I sat in one, and I'm thinking. This is like a Bentley in here. This is beautiful with the performance of a McLaren. But everything was just stunning in the car. You know, I thought, yeah, if I ever cracked a big time and need a McLaren in the garage, I think this would be the one. Even though I know there are faster cars, you know, more dynamic cars, that sort of stuff. But the Bentley G, oh, sorry, the um, McLaren GT that I sat in was just unbelievable. Yeah, how beautifully finished the interior of the car was. Now, don't get me wrong, I know it was a show car, so they probably, you know, spent five times longer than they would on the production GTs where the roof panel still probably falls on your head. But the um, it was just such a stunning car, you know, for everything inside it with all the leather and all that sort of thing. But that was me and McLaren. I drove I drove the GT. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, it does, again, something that no other car can do. It gives you, it gives you the space, the capacity, the materials, um, the car is not for the person that wants something extremely sporty. It's not that, um, but it's it's a more comfortable 720s, and 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 I think at some point people will appreciate that car, and for you, I think you will appreciate driving the Artura then because the Artura is that, the Artura has become more McLaren GT than oh, 570s. Got it. That that is what the Artura. I'm not saying it's a bad car or that I don't like it. I'm just saying that it's lost some of the spirit that makes a McLaren a McLaren. Sure. So McLaren's kind of lost trying to make their cars more like Porsche, more like Ferrari, when they should just be McLarens, right? Anyone who buys a McLaren anyways um, buys it because of that. Anyone who buys a Ferrari isn't going to go buy McLarens, in my opinion. Yeah, right? I agree. I don't. It's, they're not trying. Don't try and steal customers that were never coming to you. Yeah, they're not coming to you. A Porsche customer is never leaving Porsche. Go ahead. So it's almost like um, they're, they're, they're trying to broaden their appeal, but losing their existing customer base. Um, and you're, you're right on that. And, and the thing that you said earlier, I mean, really makes sense because I like my, because we're car nerds, basically. So I, when I drive an older car or I drive a, anything, I want it to make me work. I want it to make me think. I don't want to sit there doing it in autopilot. Because what's the point? Then it's just getting you from A to B. That's what your family wagon does. And and I think any anything that's there to be enjoyed, you have to think about it because then you're thinking about the enjoyment you're getting from it. And every journey is a bit, you know, there's, there's a bit of adventure and there's a bit something happening with every journey. Whereas if you're just getting in and you put it in drive and and hit the accelerator pedal and you're off, then that, and that's where modern cars are going. That's where, you know, I drove um, a brand new Macan GTS and I said oh that's a bit sanitized it's a bit boring and you know person in sales said but that's what a new 911 is you just get in stick it in drive and you're off um so yeah I like to make it work but there's a little bit that um we talked about it makes you feel like a Formula One drive we've we've kind of talked about a lot of brands that are in Formula One and Formula One's obviously taken off in the US again and thank you Netflix there's <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's that, and there's all there's all been all that talk about Porsche buying into Red Bull, and mm. that's now died. But isn't it bizarre that now, obviously, Porsche are negotiations to buy fifty percent of Williams Formula One, 
but Audi is also coming in and taking over Sauber. And that, that's two Volkswagen Group brands that are going to be have two strands of development for Formula One engine or whatever it might be. Um, I, I would think that they, it would be the same one. They'd just be taking their economies of scale and saying, right, we're both going to develop an engine and we're both going to develop these things and we're going to use them in these two independent companies. But they're not. And, you know, with, with Sauber, who went Sauber, BMW, Sauber, Alfa Romeo, they're going to be Sauber again, and then they're going to be Audi. And you just think, wow, that's in the space of about 10 years. <laughs> and so there's all this change going on. But I, I just I just think, would you, would you think about, you know, Porsche venturing into Formula One, but with a team that's not as successful, not front of the grid, not current world champion. Actually, couldn't be further from the front of the grid. Exactly. It's the team that's right at the bottom who's been struggling for a really long time. They're not, don't get me wrong, they're an iconic name in Formula One, but Porsche buying into them and then starting from scratch because before with Red Bull, they would have joined with the engine program that they, the Red Bull are continuing after the Honda leave Formula One. So they would have just jumped in on that. Whereas here they're starting from scratch. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Do you think it, that'll translate anywhere else? Will they, will they start making road cars like McLaren do and that are going to be that extreme? Or is it just going to be the other way around that they're filtering up? I don't know. Yeah, I think two things happen. Anytime, anytime someone joins something from, from scratch, even if they're purchasing an existing company, it's going to take a few years for them to be extremely competitive. Um, normally when I start something, right, it takes me like six months to get my bearings about me. Uh, I, 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 you know, you, you have to go in, you have to do the R&D, you have to make the car run how it should. And look, I'm not, uh, I'm not as well versed as I would be if, uh, if, 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 if I could watch it all the time in Formula One. But I do believe that in a few years, they'll be very successful. Um, that's, that's my belief. And how does that translate, though, to like a road car, right? I believe that Formula One technology transferring over to road car, I think that that it's it's gotten to the point with the cars that this technology is going into that, in my opinion, it's pricing most consumers out of the market. Any car with Formula One technology currently on the road is seven figures. And I'm sure at some point they'll achieve economies of scale. People like Porsche, people like Audi making these cars, getting this technology and implementing them, filtering those technologies all the way down to their cheapest cars. I'm sure over time it gets cheaper. But right now that technology, I think it's just so, so advanced and so expensive, especially when you look at the project one or you look at the Valkyrie, these cars are $3 million. Who's buying these cars? Who are the bill? Like, I feel like they're going, if you look at the list of billionaires is what 1500 of them in the world, who, who all it's 1500 dudes. It's like, I want them all. Give me every car. <laughs> but look, I think, I think hybrid technology, electric technology filtering down from formula one is a good thing. But I feel like the manufacturers can't let two things happen. Number one is they can't let the cars go from a visceral, raw, fun to drive experience that you should have to think about driving to an automated, sterile, muted experience, which is what the Artura is. Supposedly, that's Formula One technology, right? And two, they can't let them get too expensive. This constant release of hybrid cars that are three and four million dollars, I think, is something that's going to do in these manufacturers, especially during a recession. I think you keep making these huge hypercars, keep supplying the world with these huge hypercars. It's going to have a downward pressure on price. Um, eventually you're going to get to the point like it was with the 918 where you couldn't sell them all. 
that's going to happen again. I didn't invent this. Just because it's the economy that we're in today doesn't mean it's the one we're going to be in tomorrow. And they've taken all their resources from developing cars that make guys like us happy. And they're making those cars. And that's why I love Porsche, because they continue to make those cars for us. They're not like McLaren. They're not like Ferrari in that they focus on making cars that we will enjoy. So yes, if Porsche does this, they will be successful. And eventually I do believe they will make things that we will continue to enjoy. Whereas I think the other manufacturers are too far gone. They're too far gone. And, and I think you have to have a stupid amount of money to get there. And I think they'll realize that they made a mistake when the economy isn't doing well for an extended period of time. The only, the only car manufacturer that's really maintained longevity in racing and, you know, for development has been Porsche through endurance racing. You look at Le Mans, right? From 1953, I think it was, first car, first time they entered, or 51 or whatever it was. Those cars there, ever since then, the cars have been designed to run flat stick for 24 hours. If they can last that, they'll last any person that wants to drive it on the road mentality. That there, and then the, you know, sure, they're not in endurance racing for the last two years, but they will be again for 2023. A lot of that tech has shuffled down. And if you look at manufacturers like Subaru through World Rally Championship, how successful their brand has been through motorsport development. And I think the focus of cars that are more, I guess, physically looking like the cars we drive today, such as the Subaru or, you know, the 911s or the 356s, 911s, the Spiders, et cetera, through Le Mans. Sure, the, you know, LM um, cars like the LM1s and LM2s, they're so far, LMP cars are so far away from what we drive, but I don't think they're that far away from what we're going to see coming coming soon to showrooms at the pinnacle of the brand like the gd1 was or the 918 was or what the mclaren f1 was you know like peak mclaren is f1 mclaren f1 the endurance racing car isn't it you know even the cars they bring out today don't get me wrong they make amazing motor cars but if you think what's the best mclaren ever built it is the car they built back in 1990 it's not the car they're building in you know 2022 so that endurance racing really seems to be the sweet spot of development like the audi r8 comes from that and you know the peugeots come from that the performance peugeots so i'm I'm curious as to why companies like mclaren walked away from it you know toyota are investing heavily in it have done for the last five or six years their tech is now ticking through to the gr products like the gr86 the gr yaris the gr corolla you know all that tech I just, I find it fascinating that so many, it, it seems so obvious from the outside that these manufacturers aren't saying, okay, Formula One, they're spaceships on the road. They've got nothing to do with anything you and I drive on a daily basis. But the endurance cars, they are a lot closer, especially when you look at the GT category cars or the um, the pro category cars. They, they are, literally are just, they look like a 911, you know, I'm sure it's a 911R. I'm just always surprised that, you know, companies manufacturers don't go like insurance racing should be as big as formula one because of its relevance of motor vehicle to consumer yeah when when so so to backtrack a little what i was alluding to was the formula one side of things right but when it comes i think to to endurance racing obviously that's where you see all the r&d but the problem is it just doesn't get the eyeballs i personally have never seen an endurance race maybe i have but it's been many years 
Sure. And I'm a car person. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I don't actively seek out that. And I think what happens with endurance racing is you don't, you don't have the names. You don't have the star power. The star power is with Formula One. The names everyone knows, the people you want to see drive these cars are in Formula One. And the manufacturers are so are so excited to build cars that are similar to these Formula One cars. And I do believe that that, in a way, isn't ruining the car community or the car world, but I think it's making it worse. I don't think the world is any better because there's another three or four million dollar hypercar that resembles a Formula One car that only 99 people will have. I don't think that, and now look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a capitalist at heart. I love the fact that it exists, but I feel like if they would take the same money, the same resources, and instead of trying to always go for the profits in the short term, if they invested that technology to something that they could filter down to many models over many years, it'd be much more lucrative, much more profitable. Um, but yes, I agree with you. I don't know why McLaren went away from the endurance racing. I'm sure that's a part of the reason for their problems, right? Because if you look at a Porsche, my GT3, when it had its four liter, my GT4, my turbo that I had before, never had issues. Unbreakable. Never. Unbreakable. And my Macan, I had a Macan turbo too. Unbreakable. And the McLaren on the flip side, it's got its little issues. Now my 765, to be frank, has been bulletproof. It's been bulletproof. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. I just know that it's already on the border of too far. The technology's gone too far. The cars are too fast. They're too aggressive. They're too dangerous. Um, fortunately, they stop very well. But for most people who've never driven one of these cars, they just have the money to. They buy it. They've got no idea what they're doing. Well, that's what YouTube's going, for. It's, yeah, it's, so you can watch the you, crashes of uh, hypercars, isn't it? Yeah. I, I love watching all the crashes, but I don't know what you guys think about what, what do you think about like how far cars are going? Even if you look at a GT car or McLaren, like how much more can they push the envelope with all this technology? Well, I think Porsche is doing a pretty good job on the, um, with the GT3, GT4, GT4 RS um, in that they pretty much put a ceiling on 500-ish horsepower, right? I like that. Yeah, they've said, that's enough. So they're now bringing engagement, aero, dynamics, make the car enjoyable to use, not just go fast. You know, that. so I think they do a pretty good job on that front because let's face it, in the GD2 RS, they probably could have made a 1,200 horsepower car, right? Mm-hmm. It's, all those turbocharged cars, it's just get on the laptop, crank up the, whatever's got to happen, fix up the fuel mixtures, blah, blah, blah. You know, we all see them. Like how many twin turbo hurricanes are there in the US? It's, you know, that are putting out 1,500 horsepower. They're everywhere, right? So they could have done this. Porsche could have done it from the factory and still the way Porsche build cars, it probably still would have been bulletproof, right? But they've chosen not to. They've actually put a limit of saying that is enough power for us to deliver the experience. I don't think any other manufacturers are taking that moral high ground. What do you reckon? I think for me, yeah, because for me, I think it's, I mean, much like you guys have just said, it's about accessible power, isn't it? Because not everybody wants to take it on track and you want to be able to get that enjoyment, that experience. And it's the experience that a lot of them are selling that some of them are selling it as almost like, um, you know, like watches, watches, we consume watches because we want to own them. Uh, whereas a, a car is an experience and, and the experience has to be accessible, that extreme end of that experience while you're on the road, 
where most of the cars will be used for most of the time. If you're a track guy, that's a completely different thing because you can exploit it to the nth degree on a track. But if you've got a car that's, you know, like the Porsche, like Mark said, they have, they've said 500, around 500 and something is, is enough. And then everything else is about enhancing that experience. Now, the GT3 RS is, in all intents and purposes, it's a track car, but you know where they've gone. It's a study in downforce. It's got so much more downforce, which is why, than the standard GT3, which is why it's got lower top speed, but, um, but it's got a little bit more power. It's, and the power band is different. So when you think about the difference, the time difference in how quickly it goes around the Nürburgring compared to you know, the, the one with the, the higher top speed, you can see why they've done what they've done. And when you look at it in person, it's a thing to behold because every little thing on it has a function. Every little aerofoil, every little bump, every little thing. And that you can say, well, I can see what they were trying to do. It's not the car that I would buy, but I can see that it would be accessible power and it would enhance the experience. So when you're on the road, you can't say, well, actually, you know, if you're in, in the, the top, top hypercars, you go, I can't access that power safely. Each time you floor it in whatever gear it might be, it's a risk. It's a risk to you and it's a risk to other drivers. It's a risk to your license. Um, whereas there's there's ways that you can exploit the performance of a 911, most 911s, because they're made for you to consume and access that power. That's, I mean, that's where I think they're at. And and that's why the 981 GT4 is such a great car. It's a modern interpretation of what that car, uh, of, of a Porsche. In my opinion, it's the epitome of a road-going Porsche. I love it. I love the 981 GT4 way more than the 718. Uh, for those reasons that you've just outlined, you can just destroy this car on a road. Even the 718, but the 718 is a little more, it's a little more, I feel comfortable. It's it's not as raw. You don't get the same feels you do through the chassis and through the steering wheel. But the 981 is, and, and, and I hate to get away from 911s, it's just such a good car. It's such a good car. And I'm not just saying it because Mark has one. That's a car that you could get into every day, could use a little bit more power, sure. But it's the car that's right in the sweet spot of what's perfect for the road. My GT3, honestly, too much. Even at 560, 580 wheel, which is just over 600, it's a little too much for the road. You're gonna get in trouble. But those 981 GT, uh, GT4s, the 991.1 Carrera S's and Carrera GTS's, I believe that those are going to be the last modern Porsches that really retain their value and still bring you the satisfaction at a reasonable price. And that's super important. A reasonable price is so important because even though we all work super hard, most of us will never see a billion dollars. It doesn't matter what goal we set, right? Most of us won't. And, and, and there is something to being able to walk into a dealership and afford something after working your ass off for two years. And I think that's important. So I love that Porsche is doing it. I'm my number one brand. If I were to rank them, Porsche number one, McLaren number two, I, I would say maybe Ferrari or maybe Lambo, but really everything else goes after them. And it's just in terms of the driving experience and what the cars have meant to me and how they've engraved themselves into my memory. But yeah, I think I think I think it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I'm excited to be documenting it on YouTube 
and and we'll see we'll see if i run out of money before the channel blows up let's <laughs> <laughs> argue that's, that's a great wrap up of uh today's podcast so i really appreciate your time mickey i know we've gone longer than we anticipated and um but yeah it's been amazing talking to you and listen to your experience and we're, we're fans of the channel and anyone that's listening we'll put a link in the uh, description of the podcast so please go and check out mickey's channel subscribe to it give him some thumbs ups on his videos give him some comments comments really help your cha- your videos apparently if i ever get one i'll let you know anyway um yeah. Ajmal, you got anything you'd like to, <laughs> to wrap up with no that's it it's been it's been an honor it's been great chatting and finding out your story and yeah the channel keep going um it's fantastic it's too good to fail and we can't wait to get over there for you to scare the crap out of us in that uh gd3 touring as well yes gt4 us gt3 touring we'll be waiting for both of you looking forward to it thank you very much mate thank you for having me